Bobby, what's wrong with the car? Uh-oh, I think it's broke. Look, that thing there is all swoped up. We, we got a pair of pliers and a screwdriver. We can find out. I think we should just start poking stuff. Oh, all right. All right. don't do that, folks. Tune into the Grease Gurus. Don't go to the emergency room. Go to the Grease Gurus and learn why your car might have stopped on the side of the road and what not to touch. On Saturday mornings <laughs> from 10 a.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Ouch, that hurt. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsport 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, Call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. You're both crazy. This is the Lively Set. James Darren's crazy about cars and Pamela Tiffin. Pamela Tiffin's crazy about James Darren in and out of cars. Doug McClure's crazy about Joni Summers. And Joni Summers crazy about Bobby Darren's new song hits. They get you where the fun and action are every time they grab a wheel or a girl. Edie, I'll count to five and I'll break down this door. Do you hear me? Go back to your turbans and marry them for all I care. I'm glad you showed you true colors before we were married. I'm grateful to you. Really, I am. And don't you come running after me or I will call the police. I'm sorry, Chuck. The Lively Set takes you where the real action is. In romance, in racing. See Cragsters race at three miles a minute. See the jet-propelled J-47. See the Bonneville World Speed Record Run. See the world's first turbine car, the car of tomorrow and the youth of today, in the famous Tri-State Endurance Race. A screen first. See international speed kings in action. Mickey Thompson, Duane Carter, Billy Krause, James Nelson, and Ron Miller. This is the lively set. Will you please not disturb us? Hello? If my daughter weren't here, I'd tell you exactly what I think of you. Mr. Manning, will you get off this phone and put Edie on? You lower your voice or I'll punch you in the nose. That's right. I'd like to win that race myself. I could use $20,000. What are you going to enter with? The wheelbarrow? And sell me the streamliner and the chassis from the stocker. I'd rather sell that stuff for junk first. Youth challenges the future down a thousand tire screening miles of danger. Hey, Las Vegas, here we are! <laughs> you live it up. You laugh it up. You love it up. Hello out there. Peabody and Sherman here. Set the Wayback Machine. 
we enter the way back and we're immediately hurtled back through time and space. This is the legendary guitarist Dick Dale, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Listen to the thunder. Welcome, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run to your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out our archive page, where you can listen to all our past shows, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Good evening, Vaughn. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing just fine tonight. How about you? <laughs> I'm doing fine. Vaughn, I want you to have more enthusiasm. I want you to sit there. Now, you're supposed to be a radio disc jockey, so uh-huh. you're supposed to go, yeah, hey, man, I'm having a great time. How you doing? You know, you got that voice, you know, so take full advantage of that. Listen to the Von Zipper, and you will learn things. It's simple. You know? <laughs> All right. Duly noted. I got duly, it. Duly noted. I got you. <laughs> anyway, Vaughn's doing an excellent job. I'm real proud of the kid, you know. So, uh, and he likes cars. That's a good thing. See, one of the prerequisites to be my... Uh, my production engineer is uh, an occasional co-host. Is uh, you have to like cars. Got to know about cars. You got to be able to be tuned into them. So, hey guys, we got a good show for you tonight. We have another uh, interesting guest coming on a little bit later. Last week we had uh, the legendary surf guitarist Dick Dale on the show. Boy, that was a real treat. I mean, that guy, you know, 84 years old, I believe, 81, 82, 83, 84, somewhere around there, early 80s, and uh, he's still out there just ripping on the old Fender Stratocaster. So that's pretty cool. Now, what uh, what we're going to be doing here the next couple of weeks before we get into August is we're kind of like on this Surf Legends theme. So obviously it's summer. So we have what we call the Summer of the Legends. Legends of the Summer. Summer of the Legends. Excuse me. Legends of the Summer Guest Series. Listen to the thunder. We'll have to figure that out. At any minute now, my son will text me and square me away. Um, Because he's very good at that kind of stuff and he's paying attention. So, well, let's put it this way. It's going to have something to do with cars, with surf, with beach, uh, and music. So... That's what we do here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We're all about cars and all about music. But anyway, so uh, we have some potential legendary surfers coming on the show, some potential legendary boat manufacturers or racers coming on the show. We might even have a couple local guys that were kind of pretty big into the scene back in the 60s, early to mid-60s. And they are going to share with us what it was like to uh, have carte blanche on Clearwater Beach, St. Pete Beach, Treasure Island, Madeira Beach, Reddington Shores, Bel Air Shores, Bel Air Beach. Heck, when I moved here in the 70s, in the early 70s, Sand Key was nothing but a, it wasn't even a state park. It was just a peninsula, so to speak. And that whole stretch just south of uh, Sand Key Bridge you could go out there, you could bike ride, you could, when I say bike, I'm talking about dirt bikes, you could drive your car on the beach, you could horseback ride, we could have open bonfires, um, just, you know, it was it was just kind of a free-spirited kind of time back then, it was simpler time, you know, and it was more innocent, you know, people weren't getting into trouble and doing, they weren't as mischievous back then as they are today, 
sadly. And, uh, but it was a cool time, and uh, I can say uh, I lucked out. I got to be a part of that. While we're talking about the surf thing, when I grew up in Northern California, one of the places that we used to go all the time is uh, in the Bay Area. Our big surf area would have been Santa Cruz. And Santa Cruz had a huge boardwalk. They had a roller coaster there. They had all the you know funny games and merry-go-rounds and, and bumper cars and all that stuff that you have, you know, that you typically find at a at an amusement park or slash a, uh, a boardwalk, you know, because boardwalks are basically amusement parks on the shoreline. Not to mention it was a great beach. It had a pier there. You could drive out in a pier and, uh, you know, surf, swim, snorkel, scuba dive. And you're always within a foot or two or let's say close proximity of those really happy fish with those really, really big giant teeth. Uh, I think they call them sharks. Actually, you know what ruined it for me? while you're listening there, um, Vaughn, is in 1975, they came out with the movie Jaws. I was just talking to a friend of mine about this the other day. And uh, and uh, he uh, goes, you remember when the movie Jaws came out? I said, yeah. He says, that did it for me. I used to swim, snorkel, scuba dive, water ski, you know, skim, all kinds of stuff. Everybody used to do that. But I remember when that movie came out, it was me and a bunch of guys, pretty good-sized guys. We all used to work out back then. And, uh, and some guys were jocks. I never considered myself a jock, even though I was fairly athletic. But uh, we were at the Capitol Theater right in downtown Clearwater. That's right. Capitol Theater is still there, but it's uh, mostly uh, shows and stuff today. But back then, it was a movie theater. In fact, that's where I saw Vanishing Point. Not once, not twice, but I sat there over and over and over and over because back in those days, you could sit there and pay a buck and go see a movie and sit there all afternoon, and that was cool. So, you know, you really, really got to know all the details of a movie. But at any rate, so that's when we saw the movie Jaws. And when that fish came out of the water and bit that guy, or no, I know what it was, it was when the, uh, Richard Dreyfus was swimming around underneath the boat and the, and, the, and the body was floating in the water, everybody just like jumped. And I thought the seat. The whole row of seats, there was like nine of us. I thought we were going to rip the stands off the ground. I mean, it was, it just got us, you know. So here's these big, burly guys. We're all sitting there, all tough guys. And all of a sudden, that fish, uh, that guy floats around with the fish out of the water. I don't remember what part of the movie it was. But boy, I tell you what, we reacted. Now, prior to that, everybody used to go hang out on the beach. And in the nighttime, we would play keep away. We'd play badminton. We'd play usually touch football, flag football. But it always invariably worked out to be tackle. That's just what you had to do because you had to impress everybody. But anyway, after we were all hot and sweaty and all that kind of stuff and nasty and covered with sand, we'd swim in the surf. Well, it never occurred to us, never occurred to us that sharks were nocturnal. Never occurred to us that they'd be out there within three, four, or five feet of water. Or how about five, four, three feet of water? And uh, so what we were doing, we were out there, you know, all buzzing around, you know, uh, swimming around in, in the water. It's in the surf right there, you know, right off the shore. Never did it occur to us. All right, fast forward to the mid-'80s. In the mid-'80s, I was taking helicopter lessons. So I would fly out of the Clearwater, Saint, the Clearwater Airport, the, the little uh, executive airport up here on Hercules Avenue, and a friend of mine was an ex-Vietnam chopper pilot. So he, was, he was also had a uh, helicopter school. And I always liked fixed wings, and I always had, was fascinated with flying, but I, helicopters really intrigued me. There was a TV show, and I can't remember the name of it, and I'll, it'll come to me in a minute, back in the 60s. And uh, I used to watch that show all the time. And it was a bunch of guys that were always on these constant continuous rescue missions. And they were flying an old Bell helicopter. And if you remember those, those old Bell with the big glass front bulb in the front, kind of like uh, in, the, in the Batman TV series. You know, he had a Batcopter. But anyway, so we were flying those, but we were also flying a big Huey 500. And that helicopter was capable because it was turbined. 
uh, it was capable of probably 200, 210 miles an hour. So I remember flying out in Clearwater Beach, and while we're buzzing on Clearwater Beach, and, and I think the way the rule is is you can't descend more than 100 feet. That's You have to be at least 100, or maybe it's 1,000 feet. I'm not sure. But we were flying pretty low. And literally, we could see everybody swimming in the water. And the thing that was probably the most frightening to me was, and it never occurred to me, but I believe it now, is these really dark shadows and silhouettes that were kind of like swimming around in between people, you know. So here you are. You're standing there with a group of people in the water. You're probably, you know, shoulder high, shoulder depth of water. And you're probably maybe about five or six feet apart. You don't really realize that a four-foot or five-foot or six-foot shark just swam between you guys. Now, granted, most of the sharks that are out there are lemon sharks, nurse sharks. They're not really aggressive. But we do have tigers and we do have bulls and we do have hammerheads floating around here. In fact, in 1973, when they built the Caribbean Gulf on uh, Clearwater Beach, the photographer for the Clearwater Sun happened to be on the top floor, and he was taking this gorgeous picture out there. It was just a really neat panoramic picture. But in the picture, he accidentally caught a uh, hammerhead that was probably, they said, somewhere around 18 feet long. And it was just sitting off the shoreline there in probably about uh, eight or nine feet of water. Well, people used to walk along the seawall right along there and go down to the Holiday Inn, go, to the, go around to the jetty, or before the jetty was there, but actually down towards where the Hilton used to be, down by the St. Key Bridge. And uh, the shark was just sitting there. Now, you know, chances are he wouldn't run up on you because it would be too shallow. But the fact that he was sitting there is just kind of like frightening enough. Now, anyway, like I said, since we're talking about uh, sharks and our shark beaches, obviously, you know, there's fish out there, you know. Some are friendly and some aren't so friendly. Um, but I think I'd take my chances with those before I would go swimming around in the lake and take my chances with an alligator or a... Uh, or water moccasin because both of them will kill you. So will a shark. <laughs> but a shark will just take a bite or two, you know. It won't necessarily drag you into water, spin you around in circles, and stuff you underneath a tree stump or something like that on the shoreline, So, which is what a gator would do. Anyway, uh, I think I went off tangent here a little bit. But anyway, so I think uh, Vaughn's got something queued up on the uh, – yeah, why don't you, I know what you can do. Play uh, – here's one of my favorites, Surf City – by Jan and Dean. And I remember buying this record. I was a little kid. It was in Santa Selma, California, and I was at a thrift shop, and I was rifling through the records, and I bought this record, I think, for five cents. And it's Surf City by Jan and Dean, and this is my all-time favorite early 60s surf song. So, hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let's fire up the transistor. Two girls for
This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Hey, this is Tammy Edelbrock, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and you tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I just got a text, and uh, the helicopter that I was referring to earlier is a Bell 47. And uh, if you remember the TV show MASH, okay, that was a helicopter that they used quite extensively during that show and also basically during the Korean War. So it was one of the early, early helicopters. So, And I think the name of the TV show was called The Whirlybirds. Of course, the nickname for a helicopter is a whirlybird because when you lose control, it whirls around. And uh, so at any rate, all right, let's go to a, let's do a little Florida Car Shows Minute, FLA Car Shows Minute here. Let's see what's coming on. Well, obviously there's a lot of stuff on there. And one of the things that's coming up here is... This weekend is Snakes at the Ace. Now, Ace Hardware, or Ace Hardware, Ace Cafe is downtown Orlando, and that's kind of like the hot spot now. The guys that own that place, I mean, even though they're motorcycle guys, they do a lot of car shows. In fact, if you check their calendar, they do a car show just about every night. So it's car shows and bike shows and all kinds of cool stuff. So Snakes, which is a Shelby Club, at the Ace is this weekend, on, I think on Saturday. And then on Sunday, it's a British car thing. So if you get a chance to check out their uh, venue, they got some pretty cool stuff. And don't forget to check out flacarshows.com. Now, the big events that are coming up here in the next couple of weeks, couple of weeks next month, is obviously Monterey Car Week, which is August 17th through the 26th. SAC 43, which is the Shelby American Automobile Club, which is Sonoma Raceway. That's August 2nd through the 5th. Bonneville Speed Week. I've never been to that. And that is August 11th through the 17th. In fact, if I could afford to do this and take the time off, if I left from the beginning from August 1st to the end of the month, I could be at three of the major events in California, which would be the Bonneville Speed Week, which is actually Utah on the border there in Nevada and Utah, uh, SAC, which would be in Shelby American, and the Monterey Car Week. Well, that would be pretty cool. That would be a pretty amazing thing. But uh, And I would be doing live remotes from all those events. But Unfortunately, it's just not going to work out this year, but it's pretty cool. And uh, this weekend, Sunday, no, not Sunday, Saturday, is the DuPont Cars and Coffee down at the uh, DuPont Cars and Coffee headquarters over there off of uh, Almerton Road. So if you get a chance to try that out for size, that starts at, 
Well, let's just say if you want to get a parking spot, a good one, you need to be there at 5.30, 6 o'clock because they start lining up earlier. And every time they do it, it gets earlier and earlier. Now, it's the summertime, so they may not be there real, real early. And you might not have 500 cars there, but you're going to probably have close to 300 cars and a few thousand people wandering around there. But there'll be some pretty stuff. It's a pretty eclectic uh, gathering, as they call it. And uh, so you'll have anything from vintage muscle cars, sports cars, uh, European exotics, highline stuff, classic, uh, you know, Mercedes-Benzes, Porsches, BMWs, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, you know, you name it, it'll be there. Maybe a McLaren or two. And you never know. Some oddball stuff shows up there, too. So, And then if you get a chance, check out the DuPont Registry. they got a shop in there where they kind of customize cars. Now, an event that's coming up for the first time this year, and that is in November, November 11th to be exact, that is the Cigar City Concourse. And uh, that looks like to be, it's going to be a pretty, pretty serious event. And that's going to take place, I believe, in North Tampa. And uh, so, or off Gun Highway, near Land Lakes. But the uh, gentleman that um, is involved with that, the promoter, will be a guest on our show here in a few minutes. So uh, when we get him on, I think we'll just go ahead and let him give all you listeners the highlights and the ins and outs and talk about some of the really cool cars and stuff that are going to go on. Not to mention he's got a pretty interesting past himself, so he comes from the entertainment world. So without further ado, I think what we'll do is we'll go ahead and fire up the turntable again. We're going to play a little uh, Apache. Yeah, now this is uh, a classic song out of the late 50s, early 60s. This is probably one of the best instrumentals out of that time period, and it's done by a gentleman by the name of Hank Marvin, who used to be the lead guitarist for The Shadows, which was a backup band for Cliff. Hope you enjoy the song. This is a pretty good instrumental. This is a live version of it, but uh, you really, really have to appreciate his uh, abilities on the Stratocaster guitar. So this is, you know, when Stratocaster was probably the guitar to own back in the, uh, if you're a rock and roller or just a really, really super uh, instrumentalist, the uh, Finnish Stratocaster is probably one of the best guitars. Hey, you tune in to Nostalgic Rating Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back.
30 years older than you are. Had my back broke once and my hip twice. And on my worst day, I could beat the hell out of you. This is Bill Warner of the Amelia Island Concord Delegates, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and you tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. That is correct. And it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. I have with me tonight the CEO and the founder of the Cigar City Concourse. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Vic Piano. Vic, how are you doing? I'm great, Robert. How about yourself? I didn't realize that Bill Warner was doing promos for you. <laughs> yeah, well, Bill and I are good friends. So, uh, yes, and uh, he was gracious enough to do that, and we play it as often as we can. Terrific. Well, I did an interview with Bill several years ago for a television program that I was producing and uh, actually I uh, took the idea for the Cigar City Concord d'Elegance from Bill and uh, Amelia Island which he has done a magnificent job putting that together oh there's no question about that and I think it's what the 27th year now or something like that I believe it's the 23rd but I could be wrong okay don't uh, don't hold me to that Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. It started in seven uh, 1996, I think, was the first one. So you're probably right. 22nd or 23rd is coming up. So you're you're probably right. Your math is better than mine. <laughs> so, uh, Vic, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Because you have an interesting background. You've been involved with radio, TV, and production, and all kinds of cool stuff. Not to mention yeah. you're a diehard car guy. Yeah. Well, I've always been a diehard car guy ever since I could speak. I mean, my father would tell me that uh, in the late 40s when I was just a baby I would sit on the porch in the three-floor walk-up that we lived in in Atlanta and I could identify every car that came by except I couldn't pronounce them all I called Studebakers Tudebakers. <laughs> okay. But that's uh, you know I I started out wanting an old car when I was a kid and I uh, I actually in the 60s I grabbed this is my 50th graduation from high school this year so really? when i was in high school in the 60s i wanted a 62 plymouth convertible in the worst way but there was just no way that i could afford it so i bought what i could afford with the money i scraped together i found a 48 ford two-door sedan which at the time i thought that was the ugliest car i had ever seen in my <laughs> life so i said that fits i want it and uh, I heard your intro there. I terrorized the streets on Long Island listening to beach music in that old Ford. So uh, I actually also decided at a young age that uh, I thought a career in the broadcast business would be something I'd enjoy. And at the ripe old age of 17, I walked into a radio station in Bayshore, Long Island, and convinced the station manager to give me a job. And it was a, a daytimer. So for your listeners who don't know what a daytimer might be, they signed on at sunrise, signed off at sunset. Oh. And so I used to stay late after they signed off. I'd go into the studio, and I basically taught myself how to run a board and uh, slip cue records, which has become a lost art thanks to technology. But from that, I got drafted in the Army in 1969, and when I got out in 71, I tried to get back into the radio business, but it just uh, wasn't to be, so I decided I would try television, and uh, fortunately, I got involved in the television business and I became a producer and director 
of all things, live college football bowl game. And I've done just about every sport under the sun. And I'll, I'll share a secret with you, but you can't tell anybody else. Okay, that's our I secret. Have never, ever been a sports fan unless it involved automobiles. So I've done, I've done the Long Beach Grand Prix, the Watkins Glen Grand Prix. I televised NASCAR before NASCAR was cool, as they say. And I've done off-road racing. I introduced score off-road racing to television with the score off-road world championships at the old the Riverside Raceway, which is now condominiums, I understand. But uh, So, yes, I have had a long career in the broadcast business, and thankfully it has enabled me to uh, enjoy my passion of antique automobiles. So I have, uh, I have amassed a collection of classics and antiques, and uh, I thought one day, you know, I think that this west coast of Florida needs a classic car show, not a Friday night at Burger King car show, but a real car show, a real event. So I've been referring to it as the Kentucky Derby of car shows because it's it's a car show on steroids. We have museums from all over the southeast that are bringing cars, rare cars, unique, one-of-a-kind cars. I just got off the phone a little bit earlier with a gentleman from my old stomping ground, Long Island, who is moving his restoration business to St. Petersburg, and he is one of the foremost renowned Corvette restoration specialists. So we're going to have quite an array of automobiles at the event. Interesting. I have to back up for a second. Um, going back to you talking about score, you know, the Baja races. Right. We had two weeks ago, we had Bruce Myers on the, on the radio show. Did you? Yeah. So he was an instrumental in putting together the first group with uh, score. And uh, so I'm just wondering if your paths crossed during that oh, time. You know, it may well. Now, Sal Fish was president of Score. This is back when I did score, it. Score, yeah. Eighty-three to eighty-six, and Mickey Thompson, before his unfortunate demise, had started Score. And Sal, I believe Sal was editor of uh, Hot Rod Magazine or one of those magazines before he went to work with Mickey. And so I did a deal with them. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story. We shot the show live to tape, and then we edited it to a one-hour show at uh, Burbank's NBC Studios. And the way we did it, and Bruce, uh, gee, I can't remember his last name, but Bruce was our play-by-play guy, and Mickey was doing the color. So, And this was back in the days of quad tape where editing was not anywhere near as, as quick as it is these days. But it took us about 14 hours to edit the show to a one-hour show. And then what I did was I had Bruce and Mickey sit at a table with headsets on in front of a microphone. I'm giving away trade secrets here. And played back the tape, and they did the voiceover. But Mickey had fallen asleep on the floor in the production studio. (laughs) So he was a great guy. He took me, invited me to his home, and, I mean, growing up as a kid, Mickey Thompson was like, Mickey Thompson, Don Garlitz, or, you know, Don Prudhomme, there were a few guys that you idolized because you wanted to be like them. 
Well, I went to Mickey's house. We had dinner. He took me out in the back. He had a, a huge garage. And unfortunately, they had had a fire in it. And a lot, all of his championship cars were housed in that building. Oh, wow. And a lot of them got destroyed. And some of them were able to be restored. But they were gone. They were out of the building being restored. And as we walked through... In one corner, there were boxes stacked up, had to be 16 feet high, all stamped Ford Motor Company, and they were all wooden crates. So I said to Mickey, what is in those crates? And he looked at me and he goes, them's 427. <laughs> so I said, you wouldn't want to part with one of those, would you? And he looked at me, shook his head, and said, not those. Not those. <laughs> but... but uh, he was a great guy, Mickey. I was very glad to have met him. And, and one of the things, being in the television business, it gave me an opportunity to meet all of my childhood heroes from drag racing and sports car racing. And, you know, I mean, I worked with people in sports like Mickey Mantle and, I mean, major, major names. But the guys who I really enjoyed talking to were the race car drivers. And Iron Man Ivan Stewart, I mean, to, with the off-road racing and all. I just, I really enjoyed off-road racing. I really enjoyed doing NASCAR. I was televising a NASCAR event, and Junior Johnson had a team there. And I was in the pits. I would interview the pit crews, the drivers, because announcers don't know. They just, they do what they're told sometimes. <laughs> and so I would go down, and I would interview all the guys in the pit crew, the drivers, etc. And I saw Junior, and earlier in the day, there was a guy driving around the track in a 40 Ford coupe, and it said Junior Johnson on the roof. So when I saw Junior, I said, hey, Junior, is that your 40 Ford coupe running around? He said, nah, some old boy asked me if I he could paint my name on the roof, and I told him he could. And I said, you better hope he doesn't do any damage, because he'll come after you. <laughs> So, but I could go on for hours and hours. Well, no, that's that's what people, that's what the listeners want to hear. They want to, well, they love it when you guys drop names and some of the <laughs> legends that you that you that you uh, ran across. I mean, whether the guys are still here with us or whether they're not, you know. But that, but that's what makes the show interesting, you know, because people don't realize in your world and somewhat in mine, you know. I mean, I just, that's the exact same reason I'm in the radio, the, do this radio show. It was it was to be able to get legends on the show and have them tell stories. That they don't always get to talk about, and just like you said a minute ago, you know, announcers and sometimes people who do interviews, you know, they had they're they're scripted, but when 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 you get a chance to interview people or when you talk to them on on uh, let's say on, off the cue, off the record, so to speak, that's when you get to hear the real stories, and that's kind of what I try to do when I get people come on my show. I want you to tell the real stories, the stuff that you don't typically get a chance to talk about, and 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 that's fascinating to people, especially when you drop names and everybody can identify with that right away. Well, that's, you know, that's something that I've always had with the broadcast side of the business. And my company is Ms. Lou Television. So some, some of your older viewers might remember Ms. Lou. I mean, we put on just about every college football bowl game that is now on ESPN. And, in fact, when, when that business started to wane, started to change in the mid to late 80s, we looked at the business and thought, well, we don't want to continue the rights fees wars because they kept escalating while the ratings kept diminishing because of the influx of cable television. So we decided 
that we wanted to go the route of cable television, but we knew sports because we had dabbled in entertainment. I did some music shows. In, in 72, I produced a music show called Flipside, which was a 13-week series. We had all major, major talent on that show, and we didn't pay any of them. What we did <laughs> was I went to all the record companies and said, I want your best talent on the show to sing a song but I will allow that person's producer to emcee the show. So it was basically an hour commercial for whatever record company, record label was going to be on the show. Interesting. So, and it worked out great. And then I did it for 13 weeks. We shot it and distributed it. And then I sold the show afterwards. I don't know whatever became of it. But uh, Who were some of the people that were on that show? Oh, Johnny Maestro from the Crest and Brooklyn Bridge. In fact, Johnny sang a ballad that had never been released. And to this day, I've not been able to find a copy of it. It was one of those beautiful songs I had ever heard. In fact, uh, Richie Havens was on. Roberta Flack, when she had just released First Time Ever I Saw Your Face, it had just, I mean, it shot to the top of the charts like overnight. And she came, and we actually shot the show at Electric Ladyland Studios in Manhattan, which was Jimi Hendrix's studio. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, and, and when Richie Havens came in, nobody recognized him. He had a three-piece business suit on. He walked in. He sat down on the stool. He took his jacket off, his suit coat off. He had a vest on. He took his tie off. He put on one of his uh, African smocks and took his teeth out <laughs> and hit the guitar and started singing freedom i said it was the most it was, was the most amazing thing to witness i mean th this stuff was just great and if you were like me i mean i was like i was in awe of all of these guys they were fabulous but when roberta flack came she did not want to sing and I said, you know, this is a music show. You've got to sing. Well, she didn't want to. So I asked the producer if he had the individual tracks. And back then it was 16-track recording. He said they did, and they had them in Manhattan. So I said, can you get them and bring them? And what we'll do for the show is we will mix three different versions of the song, the final one being the one that they released, and have her critique it. And it turned out to be one of the best shows that we did. Wow, amazing. So those, that's back in the day. Don't ask me who else was on, because I won't remember. It was too far back. Too far back? Jeez. You were there, though. You know, Mary, you yeah, know how I they, was there. You, That's one of the reasons I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say anything more about that. I know. I always laugh when people sit there and say, uh, well, you remember that. Yeah, I was there, but I don't remember the 60s, yeah, man. You know I don't they remember say, if you remember the 60s, you, you weren't really there. You weren't really there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What about, about uh, racing? Did you ever get involved in any racing and stuff like that? Or were you, I mean, you do any of that yourself when you were younger? Were you? Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, coming to New York, come on. That's the the bad boy capital of the world, oh, you know, know. lowrider Mercs and, you know, well, my, and I'll tell you this. When, when I was in high school, I was 16, 17, my father had bought a 66 Triumph TR4A with independent rear suspension. Really? Sports and car. That, that car, to this day, I have never driven a car that was so responsive and such a joy to drive as that car was. 
unfortunately, it met its demise on the Long Island Expressway one night when I was home on leave from the Army, and I had a little bit too much to drink, but uh, I won't continue that story. Okay. All right. And then my father, in 68, because my father, one thing that I got from my father was my love of convertibles. He always loved convertibles. I got that from him. I love convertibles. And you know what they say in the hobby, if the top goes down, the price goes up. Well, yes. that's very true. And it goes up to buy them, to restore them, and to maintain them, which is a bit of a nuisance. But, you know, it's like anything else. If you want to play, you got to pay. Yeah. But my father told me he bought a 68 Jag XKE Roadster, brand new. Oh, man. And while, and I remember in 1961, or 60, I went to the car show, the National International Car Show with him at the Coliseum in Manhattan, and I was 11 years old. And they unveiled the E-Type, the 61. And, I mean, my father and I both, we, we were mesmerized. We stood and looked at that car for what seemed like forever. And my father said, one day, I'm going to buy one of those. Well... He bought a primrose yellow 68, what turned out to be a Series 1.5, 4.2 liter XKE. And when he brought that thing home, I said to him, because we had what could best be described as a tumultuous relationship. But uh, when he brought that car home, I said, look, no matter what happens, I want that car. And he lived up to that. So I still have it today. That's super. So it, and I, he also had a 66 Lincoln Continental convertible, which I absolutely loved, and I would beg him to allow me to take it out on dates. So it, was uh. like, it was like taking your living room out to the drive-in movie. <laughs> now, I'll back up, and I'm going to set the stage here for our listeners. Um, you and I met at the Cars and Coffee at Reeves Import Motor Cars about right. uh, two, three months ago. Yeah. And what you drove, to expound on your love for convertibles, you had a, I believe, a 39 Lincoln Zephyr drop top, correct? Yes. So yes. tell us a little bit about that car. And what I liked about it, it was an original unrestored car that's a daily driver, and I believe it still had the 12-cylinder in it, right? Right. Well, there again, my father, when I was, he graduated high school in 1940, and my entire life, he told me his favorite car of all time was a 39 Lincoln Zephyr Convertible Club Coupe. I had never seen one in the flesh. They only built 638 of them. And about, oh, 15 years ago, I was at the uh, fairgrounds here at the Street Rod Nationals walking down the aisle with a couple of my friends, and i looking at all these cars for sale, and I see a bumper sticking out, and I said to my friend, that, that's a 39 Lincoln Zephyr, and I fully expected it to be a four-door sedan, and when I got up to it, I saw that it was a convertible. At the top of my lungs, I was yelling out, who owns this Lincoln Zephyr? The guy came over, and not to bore you with all the details, I ended up, I bought the car, and I sent a note to the Lincoln Zephyr Owners Club. I sent the body number and the VIN number, because Ford back in that time period, they did not build any convertibles themselves. They would build the coupes, and they would send the cars that were destined to become convertibles out to a custom coach builder. And they would, they would 
you know, cut the thing, make it into a convertible, send it back to Livonia, Michigan, to the Lincoln plant to have it assembled. So they only built 637, 631 Lincoln Zephyr convertible club coupes in 39. And according to the Lincoln Zephyr Owners Club, there were only 17 of them known to exist. Well, I've talked to 15 of the guys at home. One still eludes me. One, who's from the east coast of Florida, just drove his car in the great race from upstate New York to Nova Scotia. Wow. So I'm, I'm trying to get him to bring it to the Concord Delegance, replete with all the decals on it from the race. But well, that, it is a beautiful car. It's a V12. It's a flathead V12. It's actually just 292 cubic inches and develops 100. Mm, they claim 110, 120 horsepower, but uh, they were geared very low because they're heavy cars. They were also what they call unit body cars back then. It's on a frame and it's a 125 inch wheelbase, but the body is welded to the frame rails from the front to the back. Interesting. It is the most solid road car I have ever driven. It rode better than my father's 66, which was also unibody, by the way, mm-hmm. when it was new. I mean, so the, the Zephyr, and but the thing about it is, because it was so heavy, the rear gear ratio, standard rear gear ratio in that car is a 444 to 1. Otherwise commonly referred to as a stump puller. <laughs> so what killed most of those cars, it was, it was, a, it was an, a mid-range price car. It cost more than a Ford and less than the big model K Lincoln. It was about, it was about ooh, $600, more than the top-of-the-line Ford and about $3,000 less than the top-of-the-line Lincoln. And Mercury had been introduced in 39, and Merc was between the Ford and the Lincoln Zephyr. Okay. But the cars were, were sold, and they were, they were pitched to sell to women. And because they were stepped down, you didn't have to step up, the running boards were covered. And it's just, it's, it's a magnificent car, very easy car to drive. But because they were geared so low, most people didn't bother taking them through the gears. They just left it in third gear. You could stop, or you could start, from a dead stop going up a grade in third gear, and it would pull. But what that did, it destroyed the motors because they had to rev so high to do that. And back then, they had a problem with the, with the V12s from the very beginning, from 36, and they never corrected it all the way up to 48. Their oil distribution was very poor. And what it would do, it would come up, and it would smoke, and it earned them the very unflattering nickname of Stinkin' Lincolns. Stinkin' Lincolns. And, and my car lives up to that name. So. <laughs> <laughs> but today, with all the, the refined oil additives and everything, I use a Lucas product. I shouldn't plug them on the air, but uh, it actually has made the car stop smoking, and a lot of people would ask me, why does it smoke? And I told them, because it can't chew. <laughs> I like that one. So, but, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the thing about it, I, I love flathead Fords. And, 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 you know, I have a, 
what I refer to as a love-hate relationship with Flathead Fords. And I don't refer to any of my classic or antique automobiles as classics. I refer to them as needful things. There you go. Vic, we've got a couple minutes left. Do you want to go ahead and expound a little bit more on the upcoming... I will do that. I will do that. We we are having the show, the Cigar City Concord Delegates, it's on Sunday, November 11th, which is Veterans Day weekend, and it's going to be at the Starkey Ranch. It's actually District Park in Starkey Ranch in Odessa, which is right off State Road 54. And we're holding two shows concurrently. We're having our Cigars and Cars, which is like a Cars and Coffee only it's all upscale, high-end sports and luxury cars. They don't have to be antique. They could be contemporary. And concurrently with that is the Concorde d'Elegance. And as I mentioned earlier, we have museum cars. We have private collector's cars coming to the event. Anyone who wants to display a vehicle at the event, all they have to do is go on to our website, which is CigarCityConcourse.com, and that's concourse spelled without an E on the end. You can go on the website. You can submit your car. We will send you an approval. We'll show you the class that it's going to be in. There is no registration fee. All we ask people who have been approved to show their cars is that in addition to the car, they bring with them an unwrapped toy for Toys for Tots, which is one of the three charities that we're promoting. And ticket pricing is twenty four ninety five per ticket. The show opens to the public 10 a.m. on Sunday the 11th and goes to closing. We, and also, the twenty four ninety five includes free parking. There will be uh, concessions, there'll be food, there'll be beverages. We'll have automotive-related concessions. They will see cars that they have never seen before unless they've been to every one of these museums that are (laughs) bringing cars so that's it if they visit the website again at uh, cigarcityconcourse.com it'll give them everything about it tell them all that we're doing and i would ask them to uh, revisit us frequently because we are updating it almost on a daily basis now excellent well vic I want to thank you very much for taking some time out and hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We will certainly plug your event. Again, I want to thank my special guest this evening, Vic Piano, founder and CEO of Cigar City Concourse. Don't forget, November 11th. Vic, you take care. We'll see you at some of the car shows. Maybe we'll see you at uh, Cars and Coffee here and there. You got it, Robert. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you later. Super. Thank you very much. Bye-bye now. Hey, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday night on the Tan Talk Radio Network between 7 and 8 p.m. for the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports. And I want to see you guys at some of the car shows. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. Listen to the thunder.
pay you ten dollars if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. It broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WTCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen. Hey. 